0: Hello and welcome to episode 338 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you for joining me today for our story from near Cambridge, when just a normal evening suddenly, and without warning, ends up in shocking violence. There are no adverts today. I know, I know. Back again soon, I promise. But I want to point you in the direction of one of my biggest supporters on Instagram, Daniel Kaye. He's a performance poet and music producer with cerebral palsy. He believes strongly in the power of music to heal and connect people. He's also the founder of Accessibility Arts, which is an art group, spoken word event and blog dedicated to making all art accessible. Daniel is passionate that everyone should be given an opportunity to succeed. So please do take a look at Daniel's website at dk four that's the number four poetry.com and check out his social media and youtube channel at dk4poetry. Okay so let's set some context for today's story with our guest the month and year game. Top of the UK music charts was Rockstar from Post Malone featuring 21 Savage, personal favorite of mine. In the US charts Taylor Swift was at number three with Look What You Made Me Do And in Australia, the number one album was Pink with Beautiful Trauma. In the news this month, O.J. Simpson was released from Nevada's Lovelock Prison, great name for a prison, after serving less than nine years of his 33-year sentence for armed robbery and kidnapping. 58 people were murdered and 489 injured at a concert in Las Vegas in the deadliest mass shooting in American history. In the wake of allegations against film director Harvey Weinstein this month, actress Alicia Milano's tweet, if you've been sexually harassed or assaulted, write me too, prompted a flood of replies across Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. In New Zealand, the Labour Party formed a coalition government, led by Jacinda Ardern, who at 37 years old was the youngest New Zealand leader in 161 years. In the UK, the fifth biggest UK airline monarch was placed into administration. (laughs) My goodness, did you ever fly with this crowd? Luxury it wasn't. And this month saw the sad early death of comedian Sean Hughes at just 51 years old. So did you guess the month and year? It was October 2017. Just missed out again next week, eh? Camborne in South Cambridgeshire is a new village created in the 1990s as part of the drive to build new affordable homes in the southeast of England. It lies in South Cambridgeshire, 10 miles west of Cambridge, where incidentally you will find the most ludicrously priced car parks in the whole of the UK and 70 miles north of London. Camborne was going to be named Monkfield after the name of the original farm on which Camborne was built but the name Monkfield does survive as there is a Monkfield Lane and the name was also used in the building at the very centre of today's story, the village pub, the Monkfield Arms. On the 28th of October 2017, the Monkfield Arms was hosting a Halloween party. Like so many other pubs around the UK were that evening. You know the sort of thing, some fancy dress, some music and dancing for the local community. If you're in the mood, it can be a fun night. 30-year-old Chris West and his wife Rebecca had spent the day visiting Chris's mum and had no plans at all to go out to the party. They just planned a quiet night in watching TV with a takeaway. But you know how it is sometimes when your friends are all at some event and they're telling you just how much fun it is. So they made their way to the Monkfield Arms where the party was in full swing. Chris and Rebecca, they were enjoying themselves with their friends, dancing, having fun. It was a great atmosphere, lots of laughs inside the venue. The pub also had a popular pool table, and one of Chris's pals, Daniel Berryman, was playing pool that night. But after he'd beaten someone who didn't know it, Paul, he went up to the man to shake his hand, as you do. But the man that had lost, 19-year-old Kai Nazia, came up to him and punched him in the chest. But Daniel hadn't been punched. He felt a warm, trickling sensation down his chest. And when he looked down at his t-shirt and saw it stained with blood, he knew that he'd been stabbed. Stabbed for beating someone at Paul. But Daniel understandably was immediately in shock at what had just happened to him. And he staggered, dazed, to the part of the pub where his friends were holding up his t-shirt to show them the stab wound. But in the party atmosphere of the Halloween event, other pub goers and bar staff thought it was fake blood that had been thrown at Daniel, and it was only when he started to get more and more pale, and look even more concerned, that they realised that this was a real, serious situation. Rebecca West was with Daniel, they were old friends from childhood, as the reality of the situation kicked in, And people were shouting at Daniel, who did this? Who did this to you? Meanwhile, unbeknown to his friends, Daniel was potentially just moments from death. He later said of that moment, I just felt this warm water coming down my t-shirt. I felt really warm, it started dripping down me. I looked down at my t-shirt and the blood was just dripping down. As I backtracked away, lifted up my shirt, I think a few of my mates noticed, and as I stumbled back, I stumbled towards our table. There was a big commotion, but I don't know what happened. Another of his friends commented how he saw Daniel's wound actually pumping out blood. In fact, it was only due to the quick actions of Rebecca West and others in the pub that night, which meant that Daniel didn't die from the stab wounds or complications caused by the attack. The ambulance soon arrived and although he was rushed to hospital, his condition quickly deteriorated. The single stab wound had damaged an artery in his chest and the fluid bag around his heart. One of his lungs had also collapsed. Daniel was rushed into theatre for emergency heart surgery and a blood transfusion. Meanwhile, following the cowardly attack on his friend Daniel, Chris West and his mate Richard Cousins went off to find the man responsible. And Chris found Kai Nazir in the pool room still and believing him to be the attacker, he grabbed him by the throat and pinned him to the pool table. A commotion started and the two men were separated. Nazir left the pub, but Chris and Richard Cousins followed him, convinced he had a knife and they wanted to make sure that nobody else was seriously injured on that evening. They found Nazir, and Chris got into a fight with him, which ended with Chris West lying face down on the ground, lying in a pool of his own blood. Witnesses had seen Nazir punch Chris numerous times, in what was described as a thumping motion. But it was only when Chris lay collapsed on the floor with blood everywhere that it was clear they hadn't been punches. But Chris had been stabbed multiple times. In fact, he'd been stabbed 12 times by Nazir, and he was in a critical condition. Meanwhile, inside the pub, Rebecca West had been one of the people saving Daniel's life, when she suddenly thought to herself, where's Chris? And she raced outside where she saw him. Witnesses described Rebecca as hysterical with grief, as she pleaded with Chris to survive. I said I loved him and he needed to stay with me. She begged him again and again to wake up. A doctor who'd been at the pub that night tried to resuscitate Chris, but admitted that he was worried that Chris would not survive the attack. And just metres away, a number of the pub goers, including Chris's friends, restrained Nazir to stop him attacking Chris again or anybody else. Richard Cousins, who'd originally left the pub with Chris, punched Nazir in the side of the head and he fell to the ground. A pub supervisor came outside and saw Chris West lying still and Nazir pinned to the ground by the other men. Nazir's knife was pushed towards the supervisor and he put his foot on it and knowing immediately how significant it could be, the knife was put in a glove for protection to be later handed to the police. Soon there was a screeching of sirens as a number of police cars, ambulances and an air ambulance crew all rushed to the scene. Daniel was placed in the ambulance and rushed to hospital. Paramedics did all they could to save Chris and tried to treat him for 26 minutes at the scene, but he could not be revived. And at 1.20am, at just 30 years old, Chris West was pronounced dead at the scene. It transpired he'd been stabbed 12 times, three to the front of his chest, two to his buttocks and seven to his back. This included once through the heart an injury which proved fatal. It was later found that one other of the stab wounds he'd received would have been enough to kill him, though the other ten were less serious. The assailant, 19-year-old Nazir, was confronted by police officers. They noted he had some injuries at the scene and Nazir told them he suffered from ADHD. The police decided that Nazir should be taken to hospital, described him as being disgruntled and intoxicated. At 4.05am, Nazir was arrested on suspicion of murder and started crying, but he soon calmed down. He then changed tack and went into a denial phase, saying at 6.12am, I don't think I killed anyone. Then at 6.48am, he says he wants to go home. By 9.30am, his mood has changed again, he was laughing and joking, talking about all the fights he'd been involved in. By 10am, he said he couldn't remember what had happened that evening and then had a panic attack. And later, he told police, it sounds bad, but I hope I can pin this on my mental illness. Remember, this was just hours after Chris West had been stabbed to death. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Your support is incredibly important to me, as you know, and helps to make the show the success that it is. Why not visit my socials, particularly Instagram at UK True Crime, to learn more about this podcast and also about something rather special that we've created? That's UK True Crime Bloodhound Gin. Named after that hero of canine crime solvers, this premium gin has been crafted by Chrissy and Simon of Percy Distillery, exclusively for listeners to this podcast. With grassy notes and hints of floral and cinnamon, it's wonderfully delicious and the perfect accompaniment to your favourite podcast, either sitting by the fire or outside under the summer sun. Drink him responsibly, of course. But what is so important is that as well as supporting this podcast, each bottle of Bloodhound Gin sold also makes a donation to PADS, which supports rescue dogs, just like my Buckley and Dizzy Rascal. Incredible. Just head to percydistillery.com slash UKTC and get 10% off using the code UKTC, and that's UK Adults Only. Links are in the show notes and the socials, so join the Bloodhound gang and I really hope you enjoy. Detectives wanted to find out the build-up to that evening. It seemed that Nazir had texted a mate to invite him for a drink at the Monkfield Arms. This mate said he saw Nazir drink three pints and a couple of bombs as they played pool. He said that Nazir, a school friend of his, was a nice guy but he had a temper and a strange way of purposely staring at people as if he was trying to provoke them and this had led to them falling out about 18 months ago when Nazir's behaviour resulted in them getting involved in a number of fights. He also described one time when Nazir showed off his collection of knives. But he said he didn't know that Nazir was carrying one that evening and he'd never seen him carry one before. That night, he said that Nazir had reverted to his previous bad behaviour by staring at people. He'd also given a number of women in the pub unwanted attention. And this led to the atmosphere becoming tense and hostile around him as people in the pub were getting irritated with Nazir's behaviour. Nazir continued to maintain his innocence of any crime, and so the case went to trial. Nazir pleaded not guilty to murder and chose not to give evidence at court. The judge explained this to the jury, saying, has exercised his right not to give evidence. The defence say in his failure to give evidence that he should not draw any adverse inference, because he has no memory, he has had a head injury. There is no medical evidence to support this but he has not gone into the witness box. Isabella Forshall was the QC who represented Nazir in court. Speaking of her client choosing not to give evidence, she said, Sometimes extreme events we play a part in seem to play out in slow motion, and again and again in our heads. Sometimes our memory will seal off all recollection. If Kai Nazir has no memory of what happened that night, it can't be a big surprise. She claimed that prosecutors had failed to prove that it was Nazir who had stabbed Daniel Berryman. She also suggested that Nazir had been acting in self-defence when he stabbed Chris West and that he had not meant to cause him serious harm. Much of QC Forshaw's arguments were based on a statement given by Daniel in which he told police he thought a freckled man had stabbed him. It was suggested this could in fact have been a friend of Nazir's. Someone QC Forshall said that police had failed to gather evidence on during their investigations. The prosecution dismissed these arguments, saying there was no evidence at all against the other person. The QC tried to highlight inconsistencies between witnesses' accounts to police and the footage that was recorded at the scene of both attacks. She said that the wounds found on both men could have come from different knives and Daniel's DNA had not conclusively been found on the knife found at the scene. She also said that a stain of Daniel's blood found inside Nazir's pocket could have got there through contact with other people in the pub. The prosecution, of course, denied all of these points. As for the murder of Chris West, she continued it was self-defence and she highlighted injuries on Nazir's body as evidence that he'd been attacked first. She said that Nazir had made a terrible mistake in carrying a knife and used it when attacked by the men. She said he was a desperate man, lashing out, trying to make an attack go away, quite possibly because of an injury to his eye, blind lashing. Chris West was killed, as in the QC's words... Nazeer was a stupid frightened boy, injured, outnumbered, wiping his own blood from his face, lashing out in a moment. The defence case was that even if he was attacked, what the defendant did was not reasonable, it was not a reasonable self-defence. There was no need for the defendant to defend himself, and they believed he was out for revenge. He was angry at what Chris had done to him in the pub, when he pinned him to the pool table by his throat. After a trial lasting three weeks, it took the jury less than four hours to find 20-year-old Kaya Nazir guilty of the murder of Chris West and the attempted murder of Daniel Berryman. Nazir looked straight ahead of him, showing no emotion as the verdict was announced, and there was no celebration from the families of friends of Chris or Daniel, just sobs. Nazeer was later sentenced to 26 years in prison, although this was reduced later by three years on appeal. At the trial, Chris's wife Rebecca made an incredibly powerful victim impact statement. She told how her husband was loving and fun and filled her life with laughter and positivity every day. She said, I was completely unaware that Friday was the last morning I would wake up next to my husband. Facing day-to-day life without Chris's support has turned my life upside down. I did not just lose my husband and best friend, but I lost my future. We both lost our future together. I had all I ever wanted with Chris, and now that is gone, my life is pointless. Rebecca also spoke about the financial realities of not being able to afford the home she shared with Chris, and so she's had to move. Our dream of buying a family home together is no longer a reality, she said. I can only hope that the person that has ruined my life is never able to do this again. She also spoke about the emotional struggle she faces every day, feeling unsafe, vulnerable and physically tired. Things that she used to love to do, like going for a run on her own, she is no longer able to do. And Rebecca spoke about how she now avoids social situations. I struggled to sleep because of the flashbacks of Chris dying in front of my eyes, she said. I literally watched my husband and the man I love die in front of my eyes. No amount of time will be any consolation for what Chris and I would have achieved together in that time. So what do you make of what we've heard today? Another life needlessly lost at just thirteen, with everything to live for. Another ordinary night in a small pub in a remote community where people were relaxing, having fun, forgetting their worries and concerns. Yet one person carried a knife and it seems were determined to use it. And now what? Nazir will spend a long time in prison. He's going to lose all his youth and he's also ruining not just his life, but the lives of his family, who will never really be able to understand how he was capable of such violence. But enough of Nazir, who made that choice to ruin his own life. And make no mistake, if you go out for a night with a knife, that's exactly the selfish choice you are making. Our thoughts lie firmly with Chris, Rebecca and their families and friends. Rebecca and Chris have so much to look forward to, so many memories to make and so much life to lead. And now, on every birthday, Christmas, and other special occasion, there's an empty seat at the table. And all they have is their memories and their private thoughts of what could have been. It just isn't fair, is it? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss any aspects of this story, please head to the UK True Crime Facebook group where well, there are now over 90,000 of us talking UK True Crime 24-7. And to support the show and listen to over 50 bonus episodes and other exclusive content, please just head to patreon.com slash And a huge thank you to the new members of this community. That is Leon Warren, Louise Tapp, Harley Herrera and Miriam Kretschmer. Thank you all so much for your support, which is much appreciated. As you know, I have officially launched UK True Crime Bloodhound Gin with my friends at Percy Distillery. And all the links are in the show notes. And you can follow the story on Instagram at UK True Crime and on all my other social channels. This week, owner Chrissy tells me all about the rescue dogs charity they support, PADS, and the wonderful work they do that gin purchases help make possible. It's amazing what can be achieved together. Thank you if you already bought a bottle, and please do try it and let me know your thoughts. Okay, so that's all for another week. Thank you so much for listening. Don't worry, in seven days I'll be back with another true crime story. Until then, please do take it easy, and despite the others, please do stay classy.